This is Seeds for Success, a show where we have a good yarn about ag life with producers who are having a go. On the show, you'll hear from farmers in New South Wales who are out there battling the elements, making tough calls and getting the job done. You'll get a laugh out of some of their stories and also pick up some know-how along the way. I'm your host, Narrowly Brennan. Today, we're chatting with the super likeable Jack Creswell. Jack runs a family property, Dungarry, just outside of Dubbo, with his father Steve and partner Isa. As well as running 2,500 white dorpers and the successful white dorper stud Analara, Jack is also a passionate advocate for the agricultural sector. In this episode, Jack talks to us about how his desire to build a profile for agriculture has led him to a side project, Farms Advice. As Jack explains, this is a platform that has unlocked a whole new world of communication, connection and avenues to create meaningful discussion and genuine understanding of the ever-changing agricultural industry. You'll also hear how Jack's own podcast, Farms Advice, has allowed him to meet and learn from a great range of passionate and innovative people and how he plans to pay this forward with initiatives like his recent experience connecting farmers to harvest workers during these tough COVID times. Local Land Services Mixed Farming Officer Rowan Leach managed to squeeze in this quick chat with Jack amongst a diverse and busy workday on Dungarry. So, Jack, tell me about your farming operation at Dungarry. Yeah, mate. Based in central west New South Wales here, it's pretty good dirt, some of it, but it jumps across some paddocks are really good, some are pretty poor. And when we came on here, there was five brothers that were on the place and there were a bit of a lumberjack knocking over a few trees here and really probably just overstocking it a bit. They ran 8,000 sheep and I think we're two and a half with lambs, three sometimes. So we're really trying to push hard to get that grass going again, firing away, and also trying to look towards our production a lot better we raise really good sheep and breed them really well, but we need to get our grasses just as good as what our line is. Yeah, so that sustainability and maintaining your ground cover, that's really important to your operation? Yeah, all the new hot words, the vocab, as cliche as they sort of are getting, it's pretty important to be able to implement them into your farm. Sustainability runs with profitability, and I think that's a bit of a catch line that needs to catch on as well. You can be sustainable and profitable, but we're learning along the way. More so, the old man's learning will try to learn off me. I'm trying to push a few things onto him that he's not liking, but things will have to change. The age-old relationship between fathers and sons. Speaking of your father, who's involved in your farming operation? So before I got back from overseas, it was just the old man and the seasonal workers that we had. And then we did have a sort of casual, but on a permanent basis that stayed around for two years, I think. So currently it's just the old man, myself and my partner all the way from Spain doing all the work currently. There's a lot of work to be doing, running around and also doing the work, but also trying to work on the business as well, trying to improve it, which is difficult to juggle between the three of us, but it's getting done. You said you've partners from overseas. How's it been settling back into farm life with being abroad and studying and yeah, how are you finding the transition back into farming? Yeah, mate. Well, the transition for me was actually pretty easy. I didn't have a job there for 10 months due to COVID over in London, but a bit of a culture shock for her coming across. Her family once asked me if we had a fridge over here. Like as farmers, they just thought we're out in the desert walking behind sheep with a stick. 
mustering on kangaroos, that sort of thing. That's it, eh? And sending the emus out the back. But yeah, it's a little bit different for her, but I think it's also a good difference. She's seen like we actually do have a bit of technology and we can communicate with others. We're quite well off because we're so close to a big regional hub, Dubbo, just outside of town there where previously we're in Wakenya and I did School of the Air, so it was a bit different. Now, I think it's a bit better for her, but yeah, it's challenging at times. So tell me about your side project. What is Farms Advice? Farms Advice was actually born after finishing uni. Anyone within farming, we split off and went all across Australia, a lot back to family farms, and it's, I'm not going to travel eight hours every day just to talk to them. So it was a bit of a thing there that happened, and then that sort of kicked it off and had a 1,000 people within two weeks. So I thought that was pretty cool and decided to turn it into my little marketing baby. Not many of my mates from uni did marketing major in agribusiness course. So I thought I'd try something and get that out there and just started a blog, just writing about stuff that I wanted to know and then hopefully someone else would catch on. If I'm a young farmer, surely another young farmer wants to know the same thing. And like are you having much success with it? Are people reaching out? Yeah, I think now, currently now it's evolved into the Farms Vice podcast. It's really starting to kick off, trying to really hit the nail on the head of creating more transparency in the industry, especially coming up to harvest roles. I think that really needs to happen. So I've got a page running currently that really helps out farmers connect with those workers looking for roles and how it's all going about that. But speaking with the leaders in the industry, it's pretty important to get them to talk and see how you can implement your own elements on farm. Who have the highlights been that you've personally interviewed? There's a bloke from Queensland, James Walker. Diversification is his thing and it's really working for him. They've got agritourism to a huge solar sort of farm that rejuvenated his community. Got like all the families in his community were allowed to stay from that event, which is really important. But also he's doing a few e-commerce websites as long as running his farm, which he runs sheep and cattle up there, which is pretty important. But Pip Courtney, one of the most recent ones, was amazing as well. Just couldn't get off the mic. Jeez, that's quite the coup landing Pip Courtney. Yeah, no, I didn't actually expect a response, but I just thought I'd shoot my shot and see what happens. But to see like her role, what she has, when I first got onto her, she didn't think she was a very good speaker to have on the show. But I think for the listeners for that, that they see otherwise, to see what she sees. And what I'm trying to do with the podcast is find that successful farming template that you can emulate into different sectors in the industry, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, cool. And do you think the podcast has helped you in your own business and on your own farm? Yeah, definitely. That's what it's all about. So hopefully a few listeners can take away a few key elements that they can implement or even just use to motivate themselves. We're using currently now livestock management apps just help the team here, team of three, manage what's going on. Anyone comes in in the future, they'll have a quick rundown of what's going on, where's where and how we're running, but also looking at our soils from Farm Lab, Sam Duncan, original speaker on the show. So thankfully, they could see what was going to go on from the podcast with the 10 listeners I probably had at the time, which is really good. So yeah, we are using it as well, and hopefully others are out there getting the same benefits. Yeah, nice. What does the Farms Advice given you in a personal sense? Farms Advice just adds to my toolbox coming through school of the air, mum will hate it, but like it probably wasn't the best with my English and how I communicated all my words and just trying to get myself like speaking better. Within each episode, you'll be able to listen back and just see how fluid it has become for myself. 
like when I was first writing my intros and outros, I would be typing everything and a bit like a robot. But at that time, I couldn't do anything else because sort of just shaken behind the computer screen. Yes, yeah, a huge personal development journey to see how I can improve myself and connect with others. I think in agriculture, we're lacking the ability to connect. So running this and connecting with the 63 speakers we've had currently is pretty amazing. And for others, as a listener, you're also connecting to that person as well, hearing about their story, which is cool. So do you see that as a role for yourself, like that advocacy role? Yeah, 100%. I'm not like saying this is right, that's wrong. I'm just promoting what's good within agriculture and focusing on the internal. So if we can get our cogs all turning for different farms across the industry and giving them the tools online but also across the airwaves as quick as possible, it will look a lot better as the consumers start to see that we're quite a positive industry and that these workers can come into diverse roles across the industry. It's not just picking potatoes or marking lambs. Catching Mickey Bulls. I do enjoy that ringer from the top end show, though. Jeez, that's good. Bloody oath. Mate, oh, I'm surprised you could squeeze me in your schedule. Talking to Pip Courtney, you're getting hounded by the ABC for interviews. Can you tell me about your recent experience in Triple J's hack program? Yeah, it was pretty eye-opening. I actually got onto them and said, this is what's happening. We're lacking some farms. And they actually had a story running. So they, they liked the story that I had coming from grain harvest rather than horticulture and everything. That exposure to that type of audience, which is probably our age and a bit younger, to give them a bit of a taste of what agriculture is like and it's not just low-paid, shit working hours, anything like that. If we can try to create a positive outlook into it, I got a bit overridden there by the horticulture and the low-paying hours and had to pay accommodation, but I think I had a pretty good say on there and hopefully turned a few heads. I got a bit of feedback from that, so it was pretty good. And how is that feedback? What's the response been? The most typical question I've received in the last week is probably, how do I get a job for Harvest? Like, that's a pretty broad question. I ask them where they're located and then go from there just to see how far they're willing to travel. You'll get to some, they're not willing to travel much at all. And that's where it comes back to that incentive I suggested of paying for their travel, the government giving them incentive for fuel, $50, $100 to get out there. We just need to get people past that hump. It's a hump for everything. If you want to like go to the gym, you don't want to get there. You don't want to go to the gym, but once you're at the gym, you're loving it. You're working out, but like once you're in harvest, you're around a good bunch of people that are all there to do the same thing, get the crop off. You can actually have impact and possibly even get off the biggest crop in Australia's history. Yeah, harvest is certainly a interesting time of year. Gets the blood up and everyone working towards the same goal of just stripping off bulk tons. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Getting all the guns blazing, it's pretty cool. And also the cutout parties are even better after. Which I forgot to mention on Triple J, they would have loved it, <laughs> mate. So how are you planning to connect these farmers and just randoms from the public? People giving you a call? Yeah, so it's on Farms Vice website farmsvice.com.au, it's just literally a page. Any recruitment agency I found that dabbles in harvest roles throughout the country have added them on and also farmers on Twitter have gotten on to me with a role that they need filling, so I've added those on. I think we've got probably 15 roles and I've got a few more this afternoon to add on. So add them on each day when they come through and then hopefully the farmers can let me know when they're fulfilled. That's just the way I'm not ringing up people to connect the phones but i'm giving them the resource to get it out there and hopefully there's a central spot recruitment agencies aren't going to want grain corp receival sites jobs on their 
page, that's not their client. And a farmer, if they don't want to pay this recruitment agency $500 or a percentage fee for landing them 10 harvest workers, then they don't have to. They can just come onto this website. Hopefully, it's a really easy to use platform. It's literally the workers go on there, use their contact details, and they can get in touch with the farmers directly. And hopefully, we reduce that time frame of hunting down these workers. There's plenty of options out there for people, isn't there, to look up this sort of work and for farmers to post their own ads and Facebook and those sorts of things. But yeah, how are you doing things different? I suppose when you look on, if you type in Google Harvest Jobs New South Wales or WA, comes up and Indeed and Seek's probably the most prominent one up there. And once you're in there, you're in a role, you probably see that it's not for you and you sort of lock yourself out. Like if you can see all the roles sort of in your face and compare them to like the vicinity location of where you are to where the job is i don't have all like the pay details all up there but i won't be putting anyone on there that's trying to jip the workers i think there's a lot to do with farmers trying to improve the image of we're not actually paying poor the grain harvest industry sector actually gets a bad rap for what others in the industry are doing horticulture has always been the whipping child for bad pay hopefully we can try to change that anthem as well for that which is pretty important for agriculture getting people in yeah that's right it's really important i think to change this image of farmers just being miserly old buggers that don't pay well we've got these huge eight hundred thousand dollar harvesting machines that yeah you can't have a monkey driving that can you no you can't you need to be a bit switched on i said in a recent tiktok you don't really need experience you just need to have a good attitude and good motivation for what you want to be doing so if you can have that and the farmer should be running you through your standard checks and safety measures on farm for it i think we just need to get people across the line help them out a bit and nurture them into these roles and then we should see them flourish pretty well so triple j the hack program worked in really well to bring that in to attention i'm a young farmer myself so hopefully young people out there that aren't in agriculture can see like Jack's 28, he's in there doing it as well, so why can't I? Yeah, right. And so have you tied up workers for your own farm this harvest? No, we haven't. We're not really needing to, but we might do later. We actually just bought a header, which we're doing up at the moment. We had the rats clean it out in that recent plague, which is a bit of a pain in the ass. But to get that up and running, I think we might need one or two to help us get it off and we'll go from there, which is a pretty common theme for Family-operated farms, you only need a couple of people, but then you get up to Moree or the Wheat Belt, you only need 10-plus people to get that crop off and the long hours ahead. Yeah, that's right. So, it's coming from a very altruistic place yourself. If you don't have much of your own harvest and you're just sort of looking out for the region, what's driven you to do that? I think it's a good exposure for the podcast. I won't lie about that. So, anyone that wants to come and listen to the podcast and help promote it, it's really good as well. But I think there's benefit in helping the industry get above what it needs to be and where it needs to be at after these like last three, four years. I've always been passionate about agriculture and this is probably my way that I can help out using the platform. Nearly 4,000 listeners a month. So, if we can get 10 people from each of those listeners, that would be really important and just help spread the word. Word of mouth in agriculture is vital for the industry and that's probably the best marketing that you can ever have in agriculture if you get off to a good start. Yeah, great. Mate, so apart from advocacy and, and harvest workers and all those important things that we've talked about today, what do you see as the big issue being in Australian agriculture at the moment? I think the shift from 
probably the baby boomers who are owning, running the farms, operations into the next generation. How is it going to happen? And it's going to be the biggest shift of assets that we've ever seen as a country. And to have that be a fluid transition right the way through with communication being a key part of it. I think if we can tackle that appropriately, we'll keep these family farms pretty positive and in the black. There's a few more elements that go into it, but just making sure that people start the conversation now, that's what it's all about with the succession planning. I'll follow straight up there. Have you got your own succession plan sorted? We're in the midst, mate. Steve knows all about it and like brother and I as a sort of team are going ahead with it and we've got our own difficulties to sort out, but that's quite similar to everyone across in agriculture and see how we can all plan to suit everyone within the team. But also as a family farming business, you don't want to lose out on the dirt that you have and also the knowledge behind it. Our place at Wakenya, we sold it 92 years in the family. So to lose that knowledge of that place and then the new owner comes in and sort of doesn't know what's working, what's not working. If you can keep that as a farming family, it's pretty important for yourself but also for the district to keep it improving it. And obviously that family relationship is pretty important too. Yeah, definitely. I think like we all have our scraps with the old man but like we get over it just as quick as it happened. Like you've got to be talking every day sort of thing to be out of it get the benefits out of it and see how you can work with it. I've introduced new technology to the farm and the old man seemed to take it on board pretty well and it's starting to improve. He's never said no to it. He's always up to challenge something new and see how it works for the stud and also for our farming enterprise to see if we can grow that profitability and also become more sustainable. What are some technologies that you've brought into the farming business? Yeah, so like livestock management software is a pretty big one. We're a white dorper studs so to be able to manage them appropriately and the activities that surround them is pretty important for both saving time is a huge factor for us as we're not a huge labor force here so we're trying to do as much as we can with as little hands currently we'd love to hire 10 people but it's just not economical so that livestock management and saving on our input costs for like lick throughout drought or something like that. If you're managing how many bags, actually just started this today, counting actually how many bags you put out of lick, see what your costs are and if they actually need it or if the sheep are overusing it. And then that also that livestock app allows us to know how many days was that paddock grazed and do we need to move them on when they're in our smaller sort of paddock setups and we can rotationally graze them along. Yeah, so it gets back to that looking after your ground cover as well. Like it's it's saving labour but it's also helping you manage your ground cover yeah when you manage your ground cover you're managing just the one aspect and you don't really look at the whole holistic approach of it if you have plenty of ground cover there we don't have to go checking that paddock once a day or once a week just to see if there's enough grass or if we need to move them on and also another one is a drone so we've got the ewes lambing at the moment and if they're having birthing problems or anything early morning 7 30 8 o'clock sort of fly the drone around to see if there's any problems. Seems to work pretty well and I've checked the property in about half an hour, two batteries worth, so it works pretty well. How long would that normally have taken you? To do a lap around, it would be three, four hours and that's without checking all the sheep properly. You can see a white speckle on the ground from a drone so easy but you can miss a fair few in the scrub when you're on a bike and a dog, so it's really beneficial that. Well, mate, we might have to come back and talk another time about drones because I reckon we could spend half a day 100%. yarning about that. Jack, thanks so much for your time today. Have you got any words you'd like to say for how people can get onto Farms Advice? 
we're quite social first, so get onto socials if you're on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. That's a good spot to head to, or get onto wherever you listen to your music, Spotify, Apple. Just type in Farms Advice on Google, and you'll soon find it. Hopefully, you can get some Farms Advice yourself. That's it, mate, and hopefully we can get some farmers linked up with some workers for this coming harvest. Absolutely. I look forward to connecting a few more workers. Probably had 300 workers looking, like just DM me on Instagram or Twitter or something like that, which I never thought of, just sort of hiding in the woods there for farmers to find. So Awesome. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, mate. Talk soon. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Central West Local Land Services. Local Land Services delivers advice and support to farmers, landholders and the community across New South Wales. To learn more, you can find us online by searching for Central West Local Land Services. If you'd like more information about the topics we discussed today, as well as links to relevant articles, fact sheets, events and other helpful resources, we've added those into the show notes for this episode. You can find them by tapping or swiping over the cover art in your podcast player now. Hey, and while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other farmers find the show. I'm your host, Narrowly Brennan, and I'll chat to you next time.